Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money-saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. If you listen every week, you know that Greg Amzinger is on with us uh, every week from MLB Network. He is a St. Louis and attended Lindenwood University. And if you've listened for a long time to me, you know that Greg is one of my best friends. And uh, we always try to get together when he makes it to town. I don't get to New York enough. I have to do that. Uh, I've been remiss. We had a pandemic. Always excuses with this. I, I know it's unbelievable, <laughs> but Greg is with us in studio in town to visit a friend who fell off a ladder, and uh, man, I I know the feeling of falling yeah. off a ladder. But uh, he's also made time to join us here in studio, which is great, and I I, I love seeing you, man. Thank you. Yeah, we had fun last night. I, I I FaceTime with my wife this morning. She goes, "You have a glow about you," and I go, "I hung out with Randy Carricker last night." <laughs> I don't know what it is. He, he's so positive. He makes you feel good all night, and and I, I thought to myself, well, last time I was here, <clears throat> I wore a, a hat. You remember that, Matthew? Remember that you do? I don't know why you did that. And, and I saw the disappointment in all of your faces. Yeah, yeah. And I and I was just picturing you guys going home, being like talking to your loved ones. Yeah, Amsinger was in the studio. How'd that go? He wore a hat. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even see his hair. Yeah. So I I tried to bring it a bit more today. There you for go. You guys. Very impressive. Yeah, great, I tried. Great to. head of hair. Great head of hair. Thank you. Yeah. It's first time you see him in person. It is. It is. First time meeting in person. And and you're very tall. I didn't know you. Were, I, you said you were tall. But I'm I didn't gangly, know. six five. Yeah. yeah. Very, very tall. Guy. What, hey. what people don't understand is is on MLB tonight they drop my chair all the way to really? the ground and they boost Harold Reynolds <laughs> all the way up. How tall is Harold? Harold is about he says he's five eleven, okay. which is not true. Not true. <laughs> we, we always fudge. Yeah, 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 we yeah. we know how to fudge. I was six feet in in college. Well, <laughs> you bothered me. Can I tell you what bothered me in high school? Uh, the 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 program said six four. Greg Amsinger and I go. Why do we measure our heights with our shoes off? And like, well, that's your real height. And I've never played a basketball game barefooted. (laughs) I I like 6'5". I walk around this earth and chat with people in public with shoes on, so I'm 6'5". There you go. I don't know why I'm sensitive about that. So Greg and I were together last night at the Lindenwood basketball game, had dinner, and Greg was telling me that this is going to be perhaps the most historic year in the history of Major League Baseball. I Why? truly believe so. I think Ken Burns needs to make another part of his documentary <laughs> about 2023. And it has nothing to do with the teams that are competing, who I think is the favorite to win the World Series. It has everything to do with a clock associated with a sport that no one ever believed mm. a clock would be associated with it. And I, I've been a big fan of the pitch timer, is how they want me to use the, the term. The pitch timer, for years, I've been a, a huge advocate for it. So and, let me stop here. So they want you to say something and you just say it? No. Yes. So terms? Yes. Certain you're, terms. You're okay with that. that. Okay. The pitch clock, I think, is aggressive. 
I don't know why they think it's aggressive. It's a pitch timer. Okay. So there's lingo. Now, my opinions are my own. I'm not on social media. So I don't like, you know, I get in trouble a lot, by the way. Last time I was on your show, when I talked about my contract, they did not like that I gave certain details. So it's amazing how many people hear me on this thing. I mean, John Mozalak, I'll be on the show, and I ruined John Mozalak's week. <laughs> And he's come up to me and told me that. So I, I didn't know how much power I had, apparently. Uh, but anyway, getting back to the, the, the pitch timer. The pitch timer will change the way we watch the game. I was in Charlotte for the minor league broadcast, and they've been using all these rules. And to watch the pace of play, it's just dynamic, guys. I'm letting you know what is about to happen in baseball is just going to be transformative. If you if there was stock, if all the sports were stock, right? Well, obviously, it'd be more expensive to buy stock in the NFL. It's the number one sport. Mm-hmm. We all know that. But you can buy baseball at a good price right now. If you're going to invest in a sport, hmm. obviously, I'm in St. Louis right now talking to the hotbed of the sports. Everyone's like, duh, Greg. But across <laughs> the country, this is the sport to invest in because the pitch timer is about to change the game in so many good ways. Obviously, there has to be more action because we're going to have more pitches. But you said so many good ways. What good ways? What I never thought would be the the reality is it doesn't speed up pitchers as much as you think. Mm. It speeds up the hitter. Really? They think they're at bat, which they wait for, right? They get four of them, possibly, maybe, in a game. It's their coveted time on that baseball earth. And what I watched and witnessed is they're up there in a rush mm. and they they don't want their at bat to go away in a blink. Mm. So they're swinging. It's just, <laughs> the, it's the reality. You're going to see it happen. So I saw ninth inning and this is on the flip side of it. Okay. Bullpenning to me has taken away the essence of the game. I used to be a kid that would wake up and open the newspaper and look at the starting pitching matchups, and then I would follow those games. I wanted to see the box score of those games. And like in present day, you know, Justin Verlander against Rodon, I, I got to watch that game, right? So that's gone away because bullpenning is such a big in vogue thing in the sport, which I can't stand. But what I watched in Charlotte, ninth inning, they bring in this lefty, uh, the kid Sousa for the White Sox, and he was in the minor leagues at the time. First pitch, 99. Second pitch, 99. Third pitch, it's a two-run lead, by the way. He's in the game trying to get the save. Third pitch, bomb, homer. Hmm. Now it's a one-run game. Well, that was surprising. He did not throw another fastball 95 miles an hour. The game sped up on him. It just sped up on him. Hmm. And, and you can hmm. see his heart rate go up, and he's his mechanics were thrown off. The pitch timer rushed him. Hmm. And look, at the end of the day, bullpen, bullpenning became in vogue because velocity was up, spin rate was up, and these guys could just dead brain heave it as hard as they can. And you can miss location when you're throwing 100 miles an hour, but you can't miss location when you're throwing 95. That gets squared mm-hmm. up. So the guys with pinpoint fastball command, you're going to see the spotters, the dotters, the Glavins, the Maddox, the Grankies, mm-hmm. the Wainwrights, those guys will be coveted. The, the guys that can throw a fastball where they want it. They can throw the breaking ball and not hang it. And, and then with the, with the base stealing, that's going to be more, <laughs> more popular because the bases are bigger and there are a limited number of times you can throw over. You're going to see guys get in their own heads. And what, what is the aftermath of great base stealing. No one ever talked about this. I think Jack Clark could talk about this with all the guys who were running the bases in the 80s for the Cardinals. It leads to mistake pitches, mm-hmm. and no one ever talks about that. Vince Coleman and Ozzie Smith helped Jack Clark hit 35 home <laughs> runs in 1987. No and, and people don't ever view it that way. So the ball's going to be in play. I think you'll see more home runs. 
And it's base base stealing is going to be up. It's it's going to be an exciting brand of baseball. I can't wait to witness. It. Well, you just hit my my question right on the head. Just the base stealing. How much more athleticism is going to be coveted as well? You're going to have guys able to run and be a part of the game, and and you're going to need those guys because now you don't have a shift. You got to have guys that can move laterally and and get to those balls that may be in the holes and in the gaps. I think it's going to be more athletes on in baseball as, as it continues to grow. Uh, during the broadcast in Charlotte, uh, Theo Epstein was on the broadcast, and he's working for, in the league office, and so many of these rules, he's front and center leading the, the charge on. these. Are, many of these are his ideas. And I asked him, as one of the great roster assemblers in baseball history during his time with the Red Sox, the Cubs, if you knew that these rules were going to be a reality when you were assembling a Major League Baseball roster, would it have changed the way you would have gone about drafting, developing, free agency? He goes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No doubt. The the leadoff guy that clogs the bases, well, you're just giving away <laughs> an aspect of the game that other teams are going to take advantage of. So I, I really believe that every team will have Two base stealers, mm. not just the random one guy that Whit Merrifield stole 35 mm. bags this year. Wow. I think you're going to see every team with two premier base stealers and possibly a third on the bench because it's going to be such a huge component of the game. I was shocked that Kenley Jansen got the, the, the deal he got with the mm-hmm. Red Sox because mm-hmm. he is so incapable of holding runners mm-hmm. and making base stealing easier. If people think these bases and the size of bases, that that's not a big deal. It's a game of inches. Mm-hmm. And when you mess with the inches, you give an advantage to someone else. Yep. So the bang-bang plays, those guys are safe now. It's going to be a huge aspect of the game. So half of the AAA teams, AAA ballparks in 2023 are going to have the, what do we call the the robot home plate? The Autom- Automated strikes. Automated strikes. Yeah. Okay. So half of the ballparks will have that for a rule with a challenge. Half will have it where every single pitch is called, correct? Yes. That's, that, that's the way it's going to be. I would argue that if we get to a point where every pitch is called with a real strike zone by an automatic automated strike call that the three true outcomes are out the window when pit, when hitters can't go to the plate with a strike zone essentially from their belly button to their knee if the strike zone is where it's supposed to be which is the middle of your chest to the hollow of your knee you can't go to the plate planning to walk anymore it's going to that is that's right so i'm all excited about the pitch timer because that's 2023 mm-hmm. but i'm telling you right now the ball strike challenge that's where we're going it's eventually going to come is going to be the biggest rule change ever even bigger mm-hmm. than the pitch timer because what i witness and if it plays out the way it is playing out in the minor leagues it, it's not every pitch is called by the automated strike zone that's not the case if a batter chooses to challenge the call, the home plate umpire immediately goes, the the pitch that was called a strike is being challenged. Everyone looks up to the big screen, and in the broadcast, you immediately go to, it's the same technology you see in tennis. Yeah, it's incredible. You yeah. don't wait t- 10 minutes to right. see whether or not the ball's on the line or not. Right. And then, boom, you see, actually, the home plate umpire was right. He's right, and you're out. Mm. And you wasted one of your three challenges. You get three faulty challenges each team does, but only the pitcher, the catcher, and the hitter can challenge it. And what we saw in the minor leagues this past year, many of the minor league managers would not allow their pitchers to challenge a pitch because they think everything they throw is a strike, okay? (laughs) So uh, there are going to be guys that the strategy involved here is going to be mind-boggling. Now, this isn't for 2023, but I just want a lot of people at home that are purists, and there are many of them in St. Louis. I've been chatting with them. They're not 
not a big fan of the automated strikes on the human element. So good. It's great. It's great. Well, part of the human element, guys not swinging. Mm-hmm. And when you take the, when they're accountable mm-hmm. for not swinging and they go into the dugout and they go, oh, she stole my bat from me. That home plate umpire. Well, wait a minute. No one feels bad for you anymore because yeah. we just saw yep. it was actually yep. a strike. Yeah. So what's that going to do? It's going to make guys swing the bat, yep. which is what we want. And sadly... C.B. Buckner and Angel Hernandez are humans, right? <laughs> they, they bring the human element, which is not necessarily always good. I'm fine without blown calls. I am, too. I, I'm okay. You guys Especially that? ones that, that matter the most. Like, the, it, those, those are important. Important calls should be correct. They shouldn't, you, you shouldn't, if it's wrong and it costs someone a championship or, or a perfect game, that those things should not ever happen. And so when they are, no. if you have someone, because you get it right, right? Get, get it, right. it right. If you pitch a perfect game, it, it changes your trajectory for life. Like it, yeah. it's not that many of those guys. So uh, uh, an apology doesn't help me. <laughs> hey, you want to apologize? Let's go back and make it right. The technology exists. <laughs> yes. Let's make sure we know who actually won the game. There you go. What's wrong with that? I I, I don't miss. Blown calls. I don't miss collisions at home plate. And there are some people that do. Mm-hmm. Randy, do you miss collisions at home plate? Well, you know which one? You know Brian which, Jordan one? for me. Well, for, for me, it was Jack Clark and Mike Sosha. The one that I thought was the most violent was Ray Langford and Darren Dalton. Oh, that yeah. That one was. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that, Ray that, blew that, him that may be the one I'm thinking of. It might be Ray yeah. Langford. Not, Brian yeah. Jordan had one, too, though. Yeah, yeah. Right. Both because uh, yeah. Yeah. Brian Jordan had one, but Ray so, Langford had whew, Oh, yeah. Ray Langford he was. was yeah. uh, he was a dynamic athlete. Yeah. But that I just, look, Darren Dalton went through a lot. The late Darren Dalton catch yeah. with the Philadelphia Phillies. He was an important piece to that team. And when you want one of your best hitters to be your catcher, we need to keep those guys on the field. I'm okay with it. I, I, I don't miss the collisions. I really don't. The one part that I, I'm having a harder time with is second base, that you can't break up a yeah. double play. To me, that that's the part of... You know, second base, you have to have athletes there to watch Harold Reynolds get to the base and then dot and jump in the air and hang in the mm-hmm. air while a guy's barreling down on him and he throws a strike to first base. I miss that yeah, athleticism. And Marco Scudero, don't linger. The guy coming at you is 245 <laughs> pounds, right? Get rid of the ball and get the hell out of it. I mean, that was really the moment. That yeah, it was. And, and, yeah. and there was another moment in, in postseason play with Chase Utley. It was a dirty yeah, play. Yeah, right. Broke against the Mets, right? Yeah, broke yeah. to hot his leg. And, and that was another aspect. Another moment in time that we were like, okay, we've got to help the players that are defenseless. And that was what I didn't like about catchers. Here comes a ball being thrown from the outfield, and they're waiting on it, yeah. and they have to stare at it, and they've got a little mitt, so they got to catch it perfectly in this little mitt, and they're staring, and they're just a standing target. That person should not be barreled over by a professional. No, I agree with that. But, and you, you can find it on YouTube, <laughs> 1987. Jack Clark in L.A. just blows Mike Sosha up. I mean, he and I don't even know if he was out or safe, but I remember the collision. But the story is, is that when Sosha gets back to the Dodgers training room in L.A., they said, Mike, where are you? And he goes, Houston. <laughs> but I hate saying that Mike Sosha had it coming. But every time oh, Mike Sosha got blasted, he had it coming. He sat on the plate. Yeah, he openly right. admitted to that. And he, I mean, he was a, a, a cannon of a yeah. guy. And he, he won as much drum. as he lost in those battles too. Right? Yes, yes, he he did inflict pain on a lot yeah. of base runners, but he just didn't move. 
And and that's part of why the Dodgers loved him. He just wouldn't give up the play. I think the game is in a is in a wonderful direction. I really truly believe that. And and I am I, I kind of view myself as of a, as a baseball purist. I miss the National League strategy, not going to lie. I do with the universal DH. I miss you know when do you pinch hit for the pitcher and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I do think the game is in the right direction. I'm a purist who is excited about the adjustments, I'll put it that way. I, one question, you, the pitchers have a certain number of throws they can make over. After those, they've reached that limit. It, it's it, you can take off. No, it, it, you can I throw, mean, as a, you can throw over twice. Mm-hmm. If you throw over a third time, he, he, you better get him. Got you. Because if he, he gets awarded the next base. But I'm saying if you throw over so those two times. you can get him out on a third throw Okay, over. okay, yeah. okay. You, but you got to get him out. You got to get him out. Okay. Greg Amzinger is here in studio. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. Coming up, we're going to play a little stud or dud with one of the Cardinals. I am feeling strong in the weight room right now. You know, <laughs> Like I said, you know, my, my training's just it's taken... It's just taken off this year, and I'm just so happy to be able to use my resources here in St. Louis and um, you know propel myself forward to, to that spot that I needed to be. And again, like I, I really believe in what I'm doing right now. The, the workouts have taken a whole new dynamic. Uh, they're longer and, and more intense than ever before. And again, like I believe in it, and it's great. Cardinal outfielder Tyler O'Neill, who two years ago played in 138 games, had 34 homers, 80 RBIs, and a 9-12 OPS. Last year, he only played in 96 games, 383 plate appearances, hit only 228 with a 700 OPS. So our question, stud or dud for Tyler O'Neill, Greg Amsinger, MLB Network lead anchor here, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and Greg, since you are the guest. Oh, Tyler O'Neill, stud or dud? Oh, stud, 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 <laughs> big stud. And there are very few players in the sport that you could dream on a 40-40 campaign. Very few that have the ability to do that. This guy has the ability to do that. Realistically, if he plays an entire year. And what's exciting about the Cardinals is pound for pound, I believe he has the most physical gifts on the team, on the roster, among position players. I truly believe he's the most physically talented player they have. On the mound, the most physically talented player they have is Jack Flaherty. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals had, I still view 2022 as a magical year with everything mm-hmm. that went down. They went to the playoffs, the, the pools, yada, yada, yada. It was awesome. But the most physically talented position player and the most physically talented pitcher really didn't contribute all that much mm-hmm. to a magical year. So I think Tyler O'Neill will be back. He is a stud, and he's going to remind people how much of a stud he is. Do you have any concern? Because he also said in the in the clip, I don't know if it, not this one, but he's still doing his powerlifting regimen. And and I was telling these guys at some point, the older you get, your body, your joints are going to tell you, "Hey, enough is enough." Um, do you think there's a point where he's going to have to get away from that powerlifting regimen and and more yoga, more stretching, more flexibility, as opposed to you know putting 600 pounds on the squat rack and getting down as deep as you can and getting back up. It's fascinating. I think it's a great topic. At what point do we let athletes be who they want to be? I, you, so I was telling them when I was in college, I lifted, I squatted with the O-line and D-line. I was 600, 700 pound squatter at 20, 20 years old. And there was one day my, 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 my strength, goodness. Yeah, my, my strength <laughs> and conditioning coach patted me on the back after a set and said, Hey, you're done. Excuse me. He said, don't go anymore because I was still, I'm 20. I could still go higher. 
And he knew at that point, that's enough. You don't have to get to 800. You don't have to get to 850. You probably could, but why? And so, and and I thank him because I have knee pain today and hip pain. And all of those things are associated with deep squats, heavy weight. And so... You have to have someone that taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, okay, buddy, you're strong. (laughs) We get it. (laughs) That's enough. You don't need to prove it. You don't have to do any more. So I connect so many players, especially in baseball, to the Otani rules. And when Shoei Otani arrived, he had his own unique workout regimen and how he wanted to pitch, when he wanted to pitch, and when he wanted to play. And the Angels kind of Americanized him. Mm. And it took Joe Madden to fight the front office and go, let this unique athlete do what makes him happy. It's between the ears that matters more than yeah. the body. Yeah. And the one-size-fits-all workout regiment, Tyler O'Neill, really, now, how about you and, and Lars Newtbar? You guys guy could go over here. I'm like, come on, man. Tyler O'Neill is a completely different specimen of an mm. athlete. There's no one that he can work out with on that team because he's just unique. He's stacked. He's ripped. He's part of his family lineage. Whatever between the ears makes Tyler O'Neill happy, let him go do that. Yeah. Let him go be happy because that the mental side of the game is so overpowering right now. And this one size fits all approach to roster performance to me has got to go out the window. So with O'Neill's gifts, you're right. He's in terms of physical gifts. He leads the team right now. Maybe for a month, though. You did the draft when Jordan Walker was selected. You yeah. follow, you know what's going on. You talk to minor league experts all the time. What are you, uh, give us your honest assessment. What are you hearing about Jordan Walker? I think he's a corner outfielder. He'll probably be the right fielder of the Cardinals at some point this year. He's not going to break camp because they want to control, even though they benefit now. Teams get you know extra compensation for bringing up a prospect who ends up panning out. But they still roll the dice on control. No matter what compensation you give teams, controlling a young talent that you think is going to be part of the heart and soul of your organization, you're going to try to do that. I think he's the starting right fielder opening day 2024. I think he's going to be a Cardinal for a long time. He's a super talent, uh, easy power, loves to play. He, the character assessments that people give are this is this is one of those franchise type players. Tyler O'Neill still has a lot of those characteristics, and if you can have two of them, if you can have two of them in the outfield, that's a good thing. So game one of the playoffs from among O'Neill, Carlson, Newtbar, Walker. Who's your starting three in the outfield? I still think Dylan Carlson is a super talent, and I'm not going to back off him. Uh, his confidence needs to go high. Mm-hmm. What I loved about the Cardinals' approach was not benching him. He played a lot. He played a lot of games. He got a lot of at bats, and, and and we're just we're spoiled with so many of these these can't miss prospects playing like an all star from day one. It doesn't happen normally. No, just look back in in different eras. It's it's a very difficult thing to do. He is unique. Let they, me give you a stat. He played his third year this year. Came up in 20, 21, 22. Played his age twenty four season. Okay. Aaron Judge came up at twenty five. Yes. Made his major league de- debut mm-hmm. at twenty five. Yes. So let's just like curb our enthusiasm on, all right, he's a dud. Dylan Carlson's a dud. Let's move on. I, I, I look at talent, and I want the most talented players in the outfield. And I, you know, I think Newt Bar is a terrific kid, and he's got a high upside too. But if if you forced me to pick three, I'm going to go with the three most talented based on a scouting scout's perspective and an experienced scouting eye. It would be O'Neill, Carlson, and Walker and Wright. So we were having this discussion the other day, and we were talking about the Cardinals and their payroll, and you know we've seen astronomical numbers going out to players the last couple of years. 
is Jordan Walker, if if everything pans out in the manner, yeah, yeah I see you smiling. Yeah. If everything pans out in the manner in which uh, we expect it to, is he that first Cardinal that gets that 10-year, 250, 13-year, $300 million deal and gets to stay in a Cardinal uniform? Randy and I were having this uh, conversation as we were parting ways. Randy drove me back after the, the game. Such a gentleman by doing that. <laughs> By the way, my wife goes, it looks like you and Randy had a cute time last night. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, you know, yeah, we had a cute time. I remember a day when I'd hang out with my buddies, and she'd be like, okay, do you have your wallet? <laughs> you, you better not be hungover, because we got to go do this, this, and this today. But she's like, you and Randy had a cute time. But anyway, before a cute time ended, Randy goes, uh, you know, I, I wonder if the Cardinals are going to start having the Atlanta Braves approach yeah. to locking up some of their young players. And this group that they have with the young pitching talent that's on the horizon as well, you can make a case that John Mozeliak and his group reassesses the way they do normal business because that's not how the Cardinals operate. Right. But this is a unique talent in Jordan Walker, and I think he could be the first of a trend mm-hmm. in St. Louis. Be good. I'm with you. If you agree. I agree, yeah. I, See, I always stare at Randy because, you know, I'm still intimidated. <laughs> you know, I remember being oh, I'm intern, an intimidating right? guy, Greg. And, and being in the same studio with him, I was like, I can't believe I get to talk on the microphone right now, you know. <laughs> when I'm at home and I'm doing the radio interviews with you guys, I don't see Randy, but I'm having flashbacks to being the board <laughs> operator and Randy looking at me like, are you saying something stupid? <laughs> what was that experience like? Working, working for for Randy. Oh Karen. my goodness! You know he, he he the culture of how I go about my job today, and we all we all are culture providers. We might not know that, but wherever you work, whatever you do for a living, if you walk into the building and people are happy to see you, you are you're giving positive energy mm-hmm. to this earth. You're helping society. Randy, as, at a young age, obviously a huge fan of his. When I was a kid, listened to all of his you know wit and knowledge. He, he mastered the internet before anyone else did on Sports Talk Radio so he could look stuff up in a heartbeat and I thought he was a magician. I didn't know how he did it. And when I witnessed it in, in person and watched him go about his deal on the air, that's one thing. But the way he treats people is just five notches above the normal person. Yeah. So that was the biggest impact on me. And and to watch it at a young age and now to go and have my own quote unquote radio station at MLB Network where I, I feel like it's my own place, mm-hmm. my shop. I get to go hang out and I want to bring joy. I want to make people laugh at work. And that's what he was able to do for a long time. Thank you. I, I appreciate he's that. He's still doing it to this day. Yeah, he still does. <laughs> but it's intimidating. It is. Because if you're talking into a microphone, and you're 19, 20, or however old I was, you don't want to say something factually incorrect. And, 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 and he, he, he communicates through his eyebrows. A lot of people yeah. don't know that. <laughs> really? <laughs> he no idea. through his eyebrows. He'll let you know, all right, shut up, I'm ready to talk now. Just through one eyebrow raise. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm 60 years old and I just find this out now. I got to work on that. Give me something new to work on. Don't work on it. It's great. I know when to shut up. Please don't yeah. need Nonverbal cues are important. <laughs> Greg Amzinger in studio with the opening drive. Coming up, we had that conversation about Cardinal payroll and how effective Cardinal ownership is. We're going to ask Greg to give us a 5,000-foot view because he sees all of the franchises and knows what they're doing. Greg, just talking about how the Cardinals do in terms of allocating the resources, the revenues that they have. Last weekend, Bill DeWitt Jr. said the Cardinals are 12th in revenue and 12th in payroll. And a lot of people don't buy that they're 12th in revenue. We know that they're, they're, they were 12th in payroll last year. 
How do you feel the Cardinals do in terms of allocating their resources relative to the rest of Major League Baseball? Well, I think what you have to remind yourself, and it's a difficult thing to do when you live in the hotbed of the sport, which is St. Louis to me, is this is still a mid-sized market. It, it is. And I know it pains Cardinal fans to watch the New York Mets spend what they spend, to watch the Yankees, to watch the Dodgers, to watch the Phillies, to watch their larger markets. There are more humans that are absorbing the product. Now, while the percentage of humans in this market absorb the product at a record level, and, and there's just there's more of a passion for the sport here than there are than there is in other markets, bigger markets. It's still a numbers game and it's always going to be a numbers game. And until that changes, you can't assume that the Cardinals are going to be a top five um, payroll team. It's just it's not the way it works. They are getting the absolute most out of this market size that you possibly could get. The fans support it, and all of you listening right now help guys like Nolan Arenado get in a Cardinal uniform and, and keeping Paul Goldschmidt and Adam Wainwright waiting to play his entire career. Having the fandom here helps front office and ownership lock these guys up. But it is a, it's a more unique balance than people think. You can't go, well, the Philadelphia Phillies are doing this. Why can't we go sign everybody? It's not the same thing. The Cardinals are operating from a business standpoint at the highest level you would expect them to. Two things. Number one, every week during the season, I get an email. Come and see the Cardinals for $5 or $6 or $7. Do Mets and Yankees fans get those emails to come and see the Mets? Oh. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, I was just wondering. Yeah, that doesn't happen. No. At all. Okay. And then the other one is the outlier and the, the one that Cardinal fans are really upset about is the Padres. But that guy is probably losing money. Peter Seidler wants to bring the first championship to that city ever has multi-billions like Bill DeWitt does, yes. but he's not treating it as a business. He's treating it as a hobby. Yes. And when you, we're comparing a, a business in Cardinal baseball that has been a well-oiled well oiled machine for 100 years. I mean, this is they know how to make a winner. It's, it, it's part of the history. It's the fabric of the organization. Yes, there were some lame decades, but there's an, an established uh, bar that has been set by this ownership group, the ownership group before this ownership group, that if you if you are owning the St. Louis Cardinals, you can't go five years without a playoff appearance. And they have stepped on the gas at the right level to where they don't run out of gas. And they're still driving with all the big boys in the sport. So, yes, you have fans that are owners right now. And that's what's happening with the New York Mets in San Diego. But the Cardinals have an established product that they don't need this sense of urgency in how they're spending money. They just don't. I know Cardinal fans want them to have a sense of urgency with their wallets, but they don't need to operate that way. Well, I was saying earlier this week and, and over the last couple of weeks, they probably don't feel the need to go out and spend money on a on an ace or an outfielder because you have an ace in in, in Jack Flaherty who is under contract and you're going to be able to pay him much less. You have a an outfielder who is a top ten MVP candidate when healthy in Tyler O'Neill. You got Jordan Walker coming up. So those are 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 people or players that you have 
on the roster, in the organization, that you don't necessarily have to go out and spend uh, an absorbent amount of money. But I think the frustration for Cardinal fans is when you hear John Mosellock say, our payroll is going to increase in the 2023 season and you're not seeing a, a, a large jump. I mean, if you increase it $1 million, yeah, that's an increase. But if, we're, if you're telling me we're going to increase it, you're thinking $20, $25, 30000000 million of an increase as opposed to maybe 5 or $10 million. And I think that uh, is potentially where the frustration comes in for Cardinal fans. Before they spend money, they ask themselves, do we have to? Yeah. Do we have to? Do we have to go out to eat tonight? Every, I mean, Steve <laughs> Cohen, Steve Cohen is apparently going to a steakhouse <laughs> yeah, every night. single night. But if you go to a steakhouse every single night, your cholesterol is eventually going to get to you. <laughs> right? Yeah. The sodium intake is astronomical. The Cardinals are going, well, wait a minute. We went, we went to a steakhouse three nights ago. We've got leftovers. We can make a terrific dinner. Let's, let's eat at home. Mm-hmm. And when you're watching the big boys go out to steakhouses every night, I understand what fans see. And they want the excitement of the press release. Well, guess what? The, that press release lasts only so long. And then in four years, the Minnesota Twins are going, did we do the right thing by giving all this money to Carlos Correa? Hmm. Was the shin and the, le- the ankle really a problem? It's fun to win. It's fun to hmm. win the big, big free agent. But when it doesn't work, that's not the headline anymore. No one remembers the headline of signing him. By the way, not that the Cardinals did have luck in trading for Barcelo Zuna. What would have happened if they would have gotten Stanton? Oh, my God. And they were taking on the whole contract. (laughs) It's a gigantic contract. $300 million deal. He was the first to get it. And if they take on the money, and that's what they were trying to do. The Giants wanted to absorb the entire thing. He said no to St. Louis and San Francisco. This. I still like Giancarlo a lot. He's got easy power, but the swing and miss and the gaps in his in his strike zone the are injuries. so massive. His inability to play the field at a high level defensively, he's not the defender, not even close that Aaron Judge is. We compare the two because of their size. He can't mm-hmm. play the outfield like Aaron Judge. He doesn't move like Aaron Judge. So yeah, if that would have held them back. They wouldn't have gotten Goldschmidt and no Arenado. Way. I mean, or right. Albert Pujols. If, you, if they would have right. kept Albert the entire time he was an angel and he was a Cardinal, that it would not, it would have been the Joe Maurer deal of the St. Louis Cardinals to keep a player that held you back financially if they would have kept Albert Pujols. I, he's one of my favorite players of all time. I would have rather lost with him than win without him <laughs> because I'm just that kind of a guy. But financially, they made the right decision. Right. And I think we just need to start recognizing John Mozeliak's good at this. I saw somebody walking back uh, because after Randy and I had a cute time last night, <laughs> I decided to go walk to an establishment on Main Street, St. Charles called Tuners. It was a really fun place. Live music was great. But as I was leaving that establishment, that, uh, AKA karaoke, you no know, karaoke. Yes, of course. College. I just, I had to go just have a you know, walk down memory lane in college. This guy standing outside and he goes, Hey man, love you. But what you said last week about Mosaic was ridiculous. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, the whole Mosaic's going to Cooperstown. Stop with that. And I go, no, he is. I'd be like, hey, hey, come on, no, he can't. He's only won one championship. He won that with Walchak and these guys. Like he's going off yeah. on me. And I go, God, but look at the, the GMs that are in the Hall of Fame and compare their winning percentage to John Mosellock. Uh, just assume, how often do you get someone that's been in one job for such a long time and you still don't think he's an expert? Like if there was yeah. a chef that keeps winning awards and he makes the greatest steak and you go, I don't know if he knows how to cook a at what point <laughs> does someone become an expert? And isn't John Mozeliak an expert at his job? Can't we assume he is now? Or do we still think we would do a better job than John Mozeliak at putting a roster together? I know you're in your car right now going, <laughs> yeah, I would, Greg. 
It's amazing. Oh. Uh, Greg. Okay, and we're gonna we're gonna go over here. Okay. <laughs> remember what I said about facts? Yeah. Earlier. Uh, did Walt Jockety bring in Ryan Terrio? This is Game Seven, 2011. Did Walt Jockety bring in Ryan Terrio? No. Uh, did he bring in Jason Mott? No. Did he bring in Alan Craig? No. Okay, so he had pools. Did he bring in uh, Lance Berkman? No. Uh, did he bring in David Freeze? <laughs> no. Did he bring in Daniel Descalso? No. Uh, we'll give him credit for Yachty. Did he bring in Raphael Fercal? No. Did he bring in Skip Schumacher? He did not. Uh, he did bring in Chris Carpenter into that game. Uh, did he bring in Arthur Rhodes? No. Octavio Dotel? Not the, no one in the bullpen. Lance Lynn. <laughs> Why do people think that that was Walt's guy? Were they not watching? Were they not watching the games? Were they not watching the World Series? Uh, is that the first time you've heard someone say that? No, I've heard it a lot. It's yes. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. No. So I just he's an expert at doing this, and and sometimes I, I've been critical of some decisions he's made. I have openly have, um, but I. I pick my spots because I know probably he's right. Yeah. He's probably right. He's an expert at this, people. We're going to give a couple of minutes to Greg to, to talk to Matthew about basketball, see if he can talk some sense into him. <laughs> oh, no. Coming up on 101. <laughs> CD, start the basketball conversation. All right, so as I told you, Greg, we had a conversation last week where Rock said something so absurd that we we had to put a poll together to ask St. Louisans if they thought that his basketball takes were absolute trash. He told me that Kobe Bryant isn't isn't top ten. He he might oh. be top fifteen. Oh no, probably top twenty five, but top fifteen, I'll give it. And and it the whole show almost stopped. <laughs> I, 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 I almost left and didn't come back. <laughs> it was it was enough for me to walk out. It was it was one of those moments that I deep down in my core, I, I'm not one of my core principles, and he just struck a nerve, and I was I was done. Is it okay if I ask him? Please, why yeah, man, please. He thinks do. Kobe is not a top that, ten. That player? might not be the most absurd uh, take he has. Oh, but have no. that one. I Enjoy just it. I have Kobe just outside. My main reason for it is is that as great as Kobe was, Kobe was the number one most dominant player in the NBA at the most twice in his career for in, in during a season. He mm. was the most dominant player. And so I think that takes it apart. I'm also of, of part of the I also feel like Shaq is one of the most dominant players, but we don't but people never put him in the top 10 and I think I honestly think at their peak point of dominance, I think Shaq was a more dominant player than Kobe. So I even I, I have Shaq at twelve, I have Kobe at eleven. But even that part, I have I, I wonder, and so that makes me move Kobe down a little bit further to, like I said, ten, eleven, twelve. You go, That's Greg. my main argument about Kobe, let an me, incredible let me, player, let me an add incredible some, career. Let me add some context to this. He also said of his five championships that that Kobe won, he was the best player one time. Said Paul Gasol was actually better oh, than him. No. Yeah, that's. <laughs> He's had one of the championships. Powell was actually the better player, and I. Which my response was: There's never been a day in Powell Gasol's life that he's been a basket, better basketball player than Kobe Bean Powell Bryant. Gasol would argue with you. Told him he would be living with you. You're right. He would be. He would be. Told you that wasn't the worst thing. I, I, we, I live with this every day. So here's my answer. I have a, a daughter. She's a sophomore at Colorado College. She plays Division three basketball. Super talented player in high school. Had a great high school career in New Jersey. She's coming off the bench, and she doesn't know why. 
Do you know why she's coming off the bench? Because she doesn't love playing defense. Mm. So my daughter has finally done the heel-to-heel drill back and forth. When she practices by herself, she doesn't have a ball in her hands. If you understand basketball and you truly get it, what happens when you don't have the ball is equally as important as when you do. And Kobe Bryant, and I tell her to watch video of Kobe Bryant playing defense, his defensive tenacity puts him... Closer to the top five than it does even him worrying about being in the top ten. The way he played defense is historic, and that, to me, sets him apart from so many of the players that you would consider putting in front of him. Does the defense put him ahead of Larry Bird in your all-time? Yes. Okay. See, that's... Kobe Bryant, to me, is ahead of Larry Bird. And I love Larry Bird. Watch the 30 for 30 on the Redeem team about Kobe's defense and his intensity and his desire to play great defense. Who was it that he shut down? Um, he flattened him on the first play of the game. It was Powell. Yeah, it was his teammate. It was Powell. In, in the and, game. Yeah, just set a screen and just like yeah. Because yeah. he let yep. them know that's my teammate in the States, in L.A., but here... I don't yeah. know this guy. And, and, he, <laughs> and he ain't yes. better than me at yeah. basketball he, 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 ever. And he told, he already told <laughs> all of his teammates, I want him, and had him all night, and he was a blanket. There you go. That's a good point. Kobe Bryant is, you know, there's this uh, characteristic they have for the way they describe players. They love to compete. You hear that all the time. Because there's it, basketball's different than baseball. It's different than even football. It, 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 you're on a stage. You don't have a helmet on. You don't have a hat to cover your face. You don't have a catcher's mask on. You are a movie star on that stage, and everyone's watching your facial expression when someone scores on you. The trash talking. No one loved to compete more than Kobe other than Michael Jordan, who was his idol. And those two were just unique. As we say goodbye to Greg Amzinger, one of the reasons that I have so much admiration for Greg and for Joe Buck is because they signed contracts for a whole lot more money to work a lot less. (laughs) 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 You great agents, Randy. (laughs) But you will be there for the Hall of Fame, right? The Hall of Fame announcements? Yes, does Scott Rowland make the Hall of Fame this year? I do believe he does. Good. Yes, I'll be hosting that show. I, I say it every year. It's one of the most nerve-wracking shows I ever do because I host the show, and Bob Costas is on the show. <laughs> the greatest sports studio host of all time is not hosting. So he's listening Excellent. to everything they're telling me, and I have to host Great. it. So it's a big deal. He is hosting. <laughs> they're the greatest studio host of all time. Is hosting. Oh, stop. Stop. No, 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 no. I'm a flashy guest, and I'm just a fan with a microphone. That's all I try to do. You're the best. Thank you, guys. Always good to see you. Thanks for catching up. It was a blast. This was awesome. That's the great Greg Amzinger, lead anchor for MLB Network, product of the Lindenwood University. And, of course, he is uh, from St. Louis, so that's very important.